First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 687 of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy, as always, to be here with you guys. I got a very special Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood to hit you guys with today. Former Navy SEAL Team 6 operator Chris Beck stops by the podcast today. Uh, Chris Beck served in the Navy SEAL teams for 20 years, including 13 deployments, seven of which were combat deployments. He made the upgrade to SEAL Team 6, which is also known as DevGrew. It's the elite of the elite, the top of the top. He received a Bronze Star, Purple Heart, and many other numerous awards for his service to our country. He's an American hero, no doubt, but he made all the headlines when he came out as a transgender in 2013. Uh, He wrote a memoir about this called Warrior Prince. There was a documentary done called Lady Valor, and of course, he was embraced by the transgender community, the LGBTQ community, the CNNs of the world, all loved the fact that they had a Navy SEAL that came out as a transgender particularly a SEAL Team 6 operator, the, the, the best of the best. Uh, Chris Beck retired as a senior chief in the Navy SEAL teams, and Chris Beck transitioned. He took the name Kristen Beck. He did multiple interviews with Anderson Cooper, you know, the whole bit. Now he has detransitioned back to Chris Beck, and he is speaking out about the dangers of the transgender community pushing their ideologies onto the kids in our country. We all know what's going on. It's being talked about left and right. Uh, They are pushing this type of sexual orientation, gender identity onto kids' kindergarten, first grade, second grade. It's absolutely disgusting what is going on. And if you call it for what it is, you're the one that's being called a maniac and, and the one that's a transphobe and a bigot. And I could care less what you want to call me. You better not be sitting down with my third grader talking about sexual orientation, sexual gender, whatever you want to call it. Or you better not be a boy or a man coming into the bathroom with my daughter. I can tell you that much. And I know I'm not the only dad that feels that way. They are the super far majority in this country that feel this way. And for some reason, the point. Uh, Point zero zero one percent of our country's population uh, is being paraded around us, and we are going to jump into all of this with somebody who knows all about it today. Chris Beck joins me on the podcast today. Now, if you want to know more about Chris Beck's uh, time as a Navy SEAL, he did a phenomenal interview with fellow Navy SEAL Sean Ryan. You guys know Sean Ryan was on the podcast here not that long ago. Last year, he was on the podcast here. His podcast is, is very well done. He's got a great format. Check out Sean Ryan's interview with Chris Beck as well. He gets all into his combat service and the whole bit. Today, we're going to focus on the fatherhood part of this and how this transgenderism has really, really destroyed his life. So lock it in here. My interview with Navy SEAL Senior Chief Chris Beck is coming your way in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Chris Beck was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you guys would like to watch the conversation between the DevGrew operator and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, it is Frogman Friday. You guys know it. I've had all the Navy SEALs on the podcast here. If you are into the Navy SEALs or you're into the military heroes of this country, go through the archives, go through the list of episodes on the podcast. They've all been here. About maybe 70 or so Navy SEALs have been on the podcast, including Travis Lively, who is a friend of Chris Beck. 
Uh, he helped out with the documentary that was done about him, knows him very well. Also, many other Navy SEALs, Rob O'Neill, guy that killed Osama bin Laden, has been on the podcast twice. Marcus Luttrell, uh, obviously from The Lone Survivor. Jocko Willink, maybe one of the most well-known SEALs right now out there. You go through the list, you'll find all these guys. Uh, such an honor. I'm so blessed to have had the opportunity to speak to so many uh, of the great warriors of our country. So go through and, and thank you to all of the dads out there listening who have served our great nation. Don't forget about the MyPillow 2.0. If you like the MyPillow, this one's going to blow you away. It's got the cooling element involved in it. MyPillow 2.0 right now. Buy one, get one free. MyPillow.com. Plug in the promo code FATHERHOOD. Buy one, get one free. Also with the promo code, you can save up to 66% off on your entire order over at MyPillow.com. Use that promo code FATHERHOOD. All right, keep it locked into my Instagram account, at Alec underscore Lace, for all the upcoming guest announcements. If you get an opportunity, please help me spread the word about this podcast, every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up right now with Navy SEAL Senior Chief Chris Beck on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father Chris Beck. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. All right. Well, listen, it's an honor to have you here. Let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? Um, I have two boys and uh, they're in their 20s. So they're older. And uh, I have an adopted son. Uh, I haven't adopted him yet, but he's asked me to adopt him and I want to adopt him. And uh, he's a pretty good kid. So, And uh, he's 13. <clears throat> when you say first class father, I don't really consider myself a good father. I've done so many things wrong. You know, uh, my first two boys are in their twenties. I had them when I was in my, how old was I? I guess I was in my twenties, you know, and, uh, geez, I, they were born during the war pretty much, you know, you know, nine 11 happened. And, uh, I think they were like one and two years old when that happened. And then, so for the next 10 years of their lives, you know, as they were growing up, you know, I was in the middle of a war, you know, so, uh, I was deployed a lot. And uh, every time I came back, I was, I brought the war with me. <clears throat> and I think that's one of the things that fathers do a lot. You know, you're out there on the pipelines or you're out there, you know, you know, building houses or doing, building the world, you know, that's what men do. And uh, fathers do that. And uh, all the frustrations and everything you have at work, you bring those home, you know, and then those are all going to be all over your kids and, and all over your wife, you know. And I think that's what I did wrong was uh, I couldn't let it go. So a lot of the baggage that I had, you know, life baggage, you know, old, you know, trauma that I had, you know, I had it stuck on me and it was stuck on me so thick that it got all over my kids. You know, it's just that, that bad stuff, you know, that what's going on. And, and I don't know that most fathers don't aren't in the middle of a war and they're not coming home, you know after seeing all their buddies killed or after, you know, injured and all the stuff that we go through, you know, I know that's not what most fathers go through, but you have to figure that even when you're, you know, a pipeline worker or, or something else, you know, or whatever you're doing, I keep saying pipeline worker. I don't know why, but uh, it's hardcore work, you know, and I live in oil country. And to a lot of guys that I hang around with around where I live right now, they're all oil workers and pipeline workers, you know, and that's what I was. I was a worker. I was a digger. 
And uh, no matter what job you have, if you're a worker, you're, uh, you're going to have stuff going on that frustrates well, you. Say, you I'm, I'm, Don't bring I'm, I'm a railroad mechanic. I've been doing that for over two decades. I'm a uh, work on the diesel locomotives and stuff like that. And so even, you know, when yeah. I had my kids and I'd have to do like a double shift, it would bother me yeah. that I wasn't home. I was missing out. My wife was in a sense was doing a double as well because she's there doing the bedtime, doing the, the feeding and all that stuff on her own. Uh, but I mean, it's one thing to do a double shift or, or, or late shift. It's another thing to be a, halfway around the world uh, with your life on the line every day and not coming home for months and months on a time. So it's one of the major reasons. And thank you for your service. And one of the major reasons why I bring uh, so many of the military dads onto the podcast here because I have so much respect for what you guys, uh, what you do. And we are spoiled here because, uh, you know, we have it so easy because uh, people like you have put your lives on the line. So, I, again, you know, thanks yeah. for your service. And when, when you did come Thank back, you. what, 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 did, what did you rebuild the relationship with your with your sons when you came back? What How did that whole process work when you finally, uh, you know, came out, retired from the Navy and, and yeah. got back into civilian life? How did the relationship build back up? Well, that's probably a thing is uh, it, it, I never, it never really built back up. It was like, I'd come home and I was only around for short periods of time. And at the time I had this big beard and I was like, I was undercover stuff, you know? And so I was like doing real tough work. And so when I'd come home, my kids wouldn't even really recognize me, you know, and they were what, four years old, five years old, six years old, they were young, you know, and they would hide from me. And I had a lot of anger. And that's pretty much what I was saying was for all the fathers out there is just don't bring your baggage home, you know, leave it at the door, you know, leave it work. And that was the biggest problem I'm telling you why I'm not a first class father. I was a terrible father because I brought my work home and I couldn't leave it. I couldn't leave it at the door, you know, and that's the problem that I had. So every time I came home, those kids were afraid of me. They're like hiding behind their mom. And then. I would see that and it would make me upset. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm your dad. And they would still like be f- afraid of me, you know. And yeah, I'm loud and I'm, I'm, you know, riding my motorcycle, you know, I was in a motorcycle club, you know. So everything I did was all pretty harsh and loud and everything else. So, of course, those kids can be afraid. They're four and five year old kids, you know. And and as a as a father, and that's what I'm saying is like, so many, so much of what we do, we don't know how much it affects them, especially when kids are that young, you know, for that first 10 years of those kids' lives, you know, from zero to 10, that's when you're formed, that's when they do everything, their entire lives being formed in those first 10 years, and so every word you say to them and every action you do is going to build them into who they become, <clears throat> and that was where I messed up. And I was in my 20s or something. I was in the middle of a war and I used those excuses and darn it, those are not good enough excuses. I could have done a lot better. And, uh, and that's all I'm saying is, is that every time you come home, everything you do is affecting those kids. And so you just have to really watch it. You have to be careful because after that 10 year period of, is up and they're 11, they start turning into teenagers, they're formed, they're done, you know, they're baked. And so at that point, if they're teenagers, and they're waking up late or their room is messy and all the other stuff is going on. Well, what did you do for that first 10 years? You know, that's what's critical is that now I'm with, you know, 13 year old now and I'm 50 something years old and all these lessons and all this stuff that I learned the hard way, things I did wrong, where I messed up my first two kids is that I'm trying to correct all that. I'm trying to do as good as I can. I still make mistakes and I still catch myself. 
doing some of the old habits, you know, jump into assumptions or, or yelling about something that's just like, it's not worth yelling at your kid about breaking a glass, about not doing the dishes, about the cat litter isn't empty, about waking up on time, about any of this stuff. It's not that important. But the thing is, is like in the first 10 years, you could have had all that fixed. You could have had it all corrected. It's that discipline. It's that love, you know, discipline with a lot of love added on top of it is going to have your kid, you know, become that person as a teenager that's going to empty the cat litter on time. It's going to wake up on time. It's going to do all the things. And then you also have to figure that in the seals and all the stuff and things I've learned over the years is that everything you do is, is a habit based on what you've done in the past. And so and those habits can be changed within 90 days. So if you find that you're not waking up on time or you're being lazy or doing whatever, whatever you have going on in your life, if you can fix it and you can slowly incrementally make those changes in 90 days, if you do it over and over again, 90 days doing the right thing, that becomes a habit. Now, it's the same thing. If for 90 days, all you're doing is doing bad stuff or doing something wrong, that becomes a habit, you know? And so you have to think about those first 10 years of your kid's life. You're making that kid and he's baked, you know, it's done, he's cooked, he's finished. And then all you're going to do now is try to correct everything that was baked in for those 10 years. And then the same thing, it takes 90 days to create a habit, a good habit or a bad habit. And those are the things I want to share with you because I was a terrible father. You shouldn't be having me on here right now because of all the mistakes I've made. My kids would attest to it too, you know, but um, those are the things I did wrong. I didn't leave my job at the door and I created a bunch of bad habits in my kids and a bunch of bad habits in myself. And right now I'm slowly, but surely I'm working on them. And it's really hard to teach an old dog new tricks. You know, it's hard to, to make good habits if all you have is a whole bunch of bad habits and it takes discipline, you know, but do it for the 90 days. If you have something you're doing wrong, try it out in 90 days. If you fix the bad thing you're doing, the bad habit, It'll become a good habit in 90 days. Try it out if you don't believe me. And do the same thing with your kids. You know, talk to them about the 90-day challenge. Hey, you're not waking up on time every day. For 90 days, we're going to set that alarm and me and you're going to get up. And right when we get up, we're doing push-ups. And then right after we get done doing push-ups, we're going to do sit-ups. And, and then now we're going to make your bed. And after your bed is made, you're on your own, you know? And so if you can do that for 90 days, you got it. I say what's amazing about that too is is sometimes you when you get that pattern down, just a break from that, a little break from it, you could lose all the momentum that you've gained. So when you go back, I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic addict myself, the whole bit. And sometimes you put so much work in, and then that one day a slip up sets back that whole days that you did trying to get it straight. So it's like uh, it's something definitely a lifestyle thing too to make sure that you uh, that you maintain and something that you focus on because some of the stuff is very challenging. And as you said. Yeah. You know, kids' lives are very impressionable at that young age. And once it's baked in, it's there for life. A lot of their developmental stuff between the ages up to 10 years old are going to be there for life. And what I wanted to ask you about is because I know you went through the whole transition, uh, becoming a woman. The whole thing was made, uh, you know, very public. They, they described a lot of this. But right now what's happening is it's being targeted towards children at that young age. I'm here in New Jersey where uh, they made it a part of the curriculum to talk to, to kindergartners, first graders, about sexual orientation, gender identity, and all this stuff. And parents 
uh, are, are very alarmed by it. But even, you know, bringing it up against it labels you as a transphobic, some kind of terrorist, some kind of bad person. So I wanted to get your take on uh, the, the, the entire transgender discussion being told to kids f- kindergarten, first, second grade. I was really hoping we wouldn't have to talk about this stuff because this is, I'm just so tired of talking about this. And I know I messed up incredibly by, and when you said that I became a woman, I did not become a woman. I was a dude wearing women's clothing, you know, it's gender dysphoria. And so that's the problem we have right now with all these people. And it's, it's pure virtue signaling and it's Munchausen by proxy, you know? So big, what we need to do is we need to really look at this and we have to figure out the fact that, Gender dysphoria does not require surgery. Gender dysphoria does not require hormone blockers or pills of any kind. Gender dysphoria, all it requires is some understanding and a little bit of love, you know? And I had gender dysphoria. And I mean, this is kind of a kind of a, a knock against like my previous wife and uh, girlfriends or whatever, but I've never been truly in love. And I never felt love, even from my own family growing up. And that's why a lot of the reasons why everything that happened to me was a lot of that. It was, it was a lack of love. It was a lack of closeness. It was a lack of a whole bunch of stuff. It was misunderstanding about many things sexually related that were, that were all on me as a younger person. You know, that's that zero to 12, you know, 10 years old time frame I'm talking about. Is in that time frame, I, just, I was totally isolated. I was alone. And this is stuff that I talk a lot more about on the Sean Ryan podcast, which is coming out in uh, in about a week. Awesome. So, uh, I didn't know you much did it. Yeah, more I, yeah, okay, very cool. Yeah, I, I had would, Sean on I the podcast the, here. Great guy. So, I mean, I would tell all the parents out there that all the data that these schools are using to push this agenda, and I'm going to call it agenda. I'm going to call it what it is. Just it's pure awesome. grooming. You know, it's pure grooming. Because if you're sitting there talking about sexual stuff to a kindergarten kid, they have no idea what you're talking about. And especially if it's, if it's a kindergartner and you have, you know, somebody showing up there in lingerie, a dude wearing lingerie, talking to a kid about sexuality. What do you think that's doing to that kid? A kindergartner? Are you kidding me? Now, you got to consider me when I was growing up. You know, I never came out and I was never public about anything, you know, for a long time. And, uh, and the reason was, was because it, it's, it's very, you know, personal and it's sexual. And anything that's personal and sexual and, and very um, not mainstream, you know, very a very min- minority population. So you're talking about maybe 2% of the population. And so the 98% of the population is sitting there watching this 2% of the population take over everything. They're taking over education. They're taking over every corporate, you know, corporations right now are totally bending over backwards to placate to this 2% of the population. Now, if the 98% of the population looks at this and says, this is wrong, we don't agree with this, if the 98% of the population just sits down and says, hey, I'm not going to play, what happens? You know, right now, because we're placating to such a small percent of the population, then you have all these other virtue signaling people on there, Munchausen by proxy people are all saying, no, this is what we have to do because of that kid who might be trans. Well, it's 2% of the population. So what you're doing is you're making all the kindergartners sit there in front of a man in lingerie talking about sexuality and the, and the one, or if you have a classroom of 10 kids and it's only 2%, 
none of those kids are trans, you know? And so now you're sitting there in front of these kindergartners with a dude in lingerie talking about sexuality. Now one of those kids is trans and it wasn't trans. Now a kid has gender dysphoria. And now you up that gender dysphoria up to transgender. And now you have to look at the scale of this is that gender dysphoria and autogynophilia and trauma and all the other stuff is a lot of it. It's probably most of these kids. You know, I'm not gonna give you a percentage, but I'll say if you have a hundred kids that are saying they're transgender, more than half of those kids have gender dysphoria. They do not require pharmaceuticals. They do not require surgery of any kind. I mean, look at the data. If people would start opening up their minds, open up the data, look at Sweden. Look at the Sweden J-curve. I would tell every parent out there to take a look at the Swedish J-curve. Research it and find out what Sweden did. Sweden found there was like this 1,000, 2,000% increase in transgenderism. Now, how does that happen overnight? It doesn't. And so what they found was grooming was occurring. What they found was people were really pushing kids into these ideas, into these things. And kids are very impressionable. Kids will do things to make their parents happy. And now if you have a parent who's saying, my kid is transgender, and well, how old is your kid? Four years old? Oh, come on. You have no idea what your kid is yet. That kid is just being a kid. That kid is experimenting, trying to make your parent happy. Now, if the parent is sitting there giving their kids cross-dressing articles of clothing and talking about it constantly and always pushing, kids want their parents to be happy. Kids want to make your parent happy, and the kid is being given all these clothes and given all these ideas. What happens to that kid? That's grooming. Come on, people. And, and uh, we just have to wake up to this. It's Chris, this, is, this has gotten so far out of control. It's obviously one thing if there's a, a, a man that wants to dress as a woman, there's a whole different thing. But to put, put, to put children on puberty blockers to prevent their body from even hitting puberty, yeah. to, to, to give them hormones, to give these kids, uh, the, the, uh, it's just gotten so it's far crazy. out of control. Right. And, and to give surgeries to kids that, that, that are under 18 years of age, I can't believe uh, just how out of whack it's gotten. And then to, to speak out about it, or to have an opinion like this, you're crucified as if you're the. And then oh, to yeah. have, you you have um, uh, men that are competing w- w- in women's sports. Yeah. I mean, I what in the world? There. What has happened? And then you only have, kids, you know, it, it's just why now my, my youngest is my only daughter. And if I make the statement to say, "Listen, I don't want my daughter using the same bathroom as a guy," that somehow yeah. makes me the bad guy. And they make you sound like you're insane for thinking it. And it's just gotten everybody so so angry and frustrated, yeah. and it makes you look like you're the bad guy. Well, what's going to happen is it's going to keep getting worse. And so you have 2% of the population that's transgender, you know, the rest gender dysphoria or whatever else is going on. But every parent out there, as soon as they start saying the word transgender to your kid, you need to bring up the word gender dysphoria. You need to bring up the word autogynophilia. You need to bring up the words about generational trauma, about something else, depression, anxiety. What else is the kid going through? You know, they're taking every... Uh, mental health disorder. And I know this because I went through mental health, um, you know, training. I was there in graduate school, in graduate school, getting my master's degree in mental health counseling. So I know what I'm talking about. There right now is a psychological community is taking a lot of these old issues, these old mental health issues, gender dysphoria, and they're getting rid of them. 
because they want everyone to be transgender. They want everyone to be on pharmaceuticals. They want everyone to get surgery. And why do they want to do that? Because one of those surgeries is about $400,000. It takes four to six hours. They can do two per day. They have these gender clinics where they have these doctors making $800,000 a day for these hospitals. Now, you don't think that's lucrative? Come on, what's going on now? So all of this stuff they're not looking at. And when these people are talking about transgender stuff, they're only given one side of the story. And all I'm saying is, I don't, transgender people, fine. If you're transgender and you're an adult, man, go for it. Have fun, have a great life. Just don't mess with the kids. You do not know a four-year-old is transgender. You're lying. The psychological community is lying right now. Most of these kids, most of these teenagers have gender dysphoria. I had gender dysphoria. I'm a Navy SEAL. Maybe one of the toughest people you ever met. You know, if all you do is hang out with academia people. You know, I just made a little joke there. You're allowed to laugh. But <laughs> the thing is, is gender dysphoria is real. Autogodophilia is real. Transgenderism is real also. But it's not something that every kid is. Not every kid requires surgery. You need the force, the, the psychological uh, community. If you're a parent, you need to make sure they're bringing up gender dysphoria. And make sure they're bringing up autogynephilia and anxiety and depression and eating disorders and everything else that kids have. Every young girl hates her body. Now tell me I'm lying about that. It's true. Unless you're a Kardashian and you got all this Kardashian stuff going on, but that's not natural. No little girl is a Kardashian. They are made into Kardashians. They are surgeried and, and pharmaceutical and makeup and airbrushed into Kardashians. That's no a whole other conversation. That, that's another angry. bad influence on the kids too, Chris, because Terrible you have all these influencers on social media pretending to be something they're not. And sometimes when I go cover some of these events and I see these women with yep. the fake butts and the fake lips and the fake it's face, fake. And it's just like, I'm like, I cannot believe what has happened to our society when you see it. And no and people promoting it. No little girl can compete. Every little girl grown up right now is in competition with a fable, with something totally fake, with this made up myth. And you know why those influencers do this? The influencers paid millions of dollars. Yeah. You think about all those transgender influencers right now. And then here's the thing also, is people are saying that I'm on this podcast right now, so I'm trying to get 15 minutes of fame, so I'm trying to get money or something. If I was transgender, if I was the person I was four years ago, I would be a millionaire right now. Right now, I'm living on my retirement. I'm poor. I got nothing. I'm working with my buddies doing construction on the side, building people's houses, slamming a hammer because I don't have anything because I'm not doing this for money. So I don't want fame. I don't like doing this. I'm doing this right now because parents need to know this is going on. Parents need to know that one surgery is $400,000. And this is what's driving doctors. Parents need to know if they're transgender and they're getting the pharmaceuticals and they're getting these surgeries. That kid is going to be a patient for life. That kid is a patient with a psychologist and a mental health counselor for life. Every session is 200 bucks. Cha-ching, right in that person's pocket. So if your kid gets surgery, double mastectomy for all these teenage girls, a lot of them are getting them. You have some doctor down there making jokes and being funny about it, chopping off these little girls' uh. breasts, 
she calls herself the breast of breath. It's like Terminator, the breast. It's something really bad. She takes pride in holding up these little girls' breasts after she chops them off and holds up and shows them. I got two more. And she's making jokes about it. And she's making $10,000, $20,000 each off of doing double mastectomies for these little girls. Now, you don't think this is wrong? If you're a parent, if you're not standing up right now, not a transphobe, it's not being transphobic to see a doctor butchering these little girls. And how many of these little girls in five years and 10 years when they're older are going to be really upset? Lawsuits are going to start happening. How many of these little girls are going to need to see mental health counselors for life? Because they had a double mastectomy by a butcher when they were kids. Now, yeah, I'm shadow banned. All my social media is shadow banned. Everything I do is banned because I talk like this. Because all I do is give the other side of the story. And that's the problem. These parents are only getting one side of the story. As soon as you hear the other side, you're called a phobe. You're called a fearful of transgender people. I'm not afraid of transgender people. I am. I'm not afraid of myself. And the reason I say I am transgender right now is they took away all the other words. The psychological community took away the word gender dysphoria. They took away autogynephilia. So I'm stuck with transgender. So if you call me a transphobe, you're lying because I am one, because that's what they made me. If I had the chance to only have gender dysphoria, I would gladly take that title, because that's what I am. But no, they won't let me. And they won't let any child grown up have gender dysphoria have a gender issue, just a minor gender issue. I have anxiety, I have gender dysphoria. Same thing. We are not allowed to have anything because we're banned. It's terrible. What's crazy is they- You better stand up. They they, they forced parents, whether they like it or not, to have these conversations with their kids. Like this is something, if this wasn't going on, I never would bring any of this up to my kids. But we're forced to have to sit down now, and especially I have two high schoolers, uh, I have a sixth grader, a third grader. So we have to kind of, because they're hearing this stuff. It's everywhere. So it's like, you got to have to have to explain it and puts parents, uh, you know, in this awkward situation, have to talk about sex and sexual orientation with kids that are are still learning how to read and write. Um, kids are learning how to tie their shoes and learning about men in lingerie right just because you have a penis doesn't mean you're a boy i mean it's like uh, 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 what in the world do we do have we done and it and like you said the money part of this this thing is a hustle this whole community of it is a big time hustle and they're cashing in and they have they have the whole media force behind them making it like we should all be celebrating this and if you're not you're the odd man out. And it's getting to the yep. point where if the parents don't stand up and do something, it's only going to get 10 times worse. Oh, here I'm getting 10 times worse. It can get a thousand times worse. So think about this. You're talking to your daughter about stuff that you don't want to talk to your daughter for 10 years when she's a teenager, when she's 16 or seven, when she's older, you don't talk about this stuff. You're talking about this stuff when these kids are little kids. So do you think that these parents are going home and are talking to their kids and getting really angry? So if you're out there, if you're a transgender champion, you're one of the people out there, as if you're not transgender, you're an ally, and you're one of those super allies, you're making a lot of angry people. If you think you're virtue signals, you're on the right side of history, and you're pointing at me and saying I'm a transphobe, and they're pointing at you because you just talk about this, you're making a lot of people really angry. And if we're angry and we're talking to our kids, do you think the anger is going to drip off on these kids? You're creating a whole generation of real transphobes it's not me i'm just trying to put out the information and say fairly this is the transgender community stuff they're putting out 
this is all the stuff they're not putting out. And they're calling me, they're banning me. They're calling me a transphobe because I'm putting out truth. I'm talking about the Swedish J curve. I'm talking about real data. I'm talking about these people in there talking to kindergartners. That's grooming. This is all I'm talking about. I don't hate transgender people. I am one. I don't hate transgender people. I have a lot of friends who are transgender. What I hate is the fact that you're grooming little kids. What I hate is the fact that you are creating transphobes. You're making a lot of people really angry. You're making a lot of people upset to the point where it's going to get worse. It's going to get a thousand times worse. So if you're a transgender ally and you think you're a transgender ally, if you don't start using all the data and start being fair and telling the truth, you're going to create a problem. You are going to be the problem. Not me. I'm just telling the truth. I'm giving you all the data. I'm trying to help. I'm trying for all these transgender people, the people who are really transgender, trying to tell you to start being fair, start being equal about this, or you're going to create a storm. It's going to be bad. Stop the lying. The, the, the problem is trying. Kids. The problem is getting this message because, like you said, you're shadow banned. People that speak out, it's hard to get the messaging to the parents because everyone that has this side of the debate mm -hmm. isn't being heard. They're that being yeah. shouted down by the big megaphone that's telling everybody that it's good. So it's such a hard battle uh, yeah. uh, to get through. And I know that. I mean, when I, I had uh, Governor Ron DeSantis on the podcast here, he did. They called it a "Don't Say Gay" bill down in Florida, and it had nothing to do with that. It was just about keeping this stuff that we're talking about out of the classroom of kindergarten, first, second, and third graders. And and I got destroyed for having him on. And obviously, yeah. he's getting just destroyed by the left because uh, because he's trying to keep it out of the classroom. So the the battle for this, it's really a battle for the minds of our youth in this country, and that's what it is. That's the fight the that's world. going on right now. Yeah, this is worse than the Cold War or Hot War or any war I've ever been part of. Because what's happening is all these people, it's Munchausen by proxy. All these people are so brainwashed that they think they're doing the right thing. I just explained it. They're going to cause more damage and more destruction and more deaths. People are going to be killed for this. They're trying to kill me. I get death threats. They want me dead because I'm speaking out about this stuff. Because I'm speaking out trying to save kids. And like I said, it's 2% of the population. Now, if, if out of 100 kids, those two kids, they're sweeping in 10 or 20 kids into this. If you're thinking about all these kids in these schools right now, 1,500% increase in transgenderism, that's not possible. So what they're doing is they're hurting a lot of kids that are not transgender. They might just have a hangout, might have anxiety, might have depression, might have whatever. Talk about helping kids. They keep saying protect trans kids. It's like, yeah, I agree. Let's protect those trans kids, those two. But what about all the other 18 or 20 or 30 that are getting swept up in? Do you care about those kids? That's a lot more kids who are not trans that are being forced into trans and getting surgeries. I care about those kids. It's a lot more than two. I'm talking about like 10 kids. If you really care about the kids, wouldn't you be speaking out about this? Yeah. Well said. And, and you know, what's funny is when you listen to people on the street, the overwhelming consensus is exactly what we're talking about. And then you look at media yeah. and it's like, no, 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 you're the minority. You're, everyone thinks it's this way. And it's like, well, that's not what I'm hearing. And everyone is like, when you bring this up, everyone, it's common sense to say, like, you don't want your daughter to use the same bathroom as a guy. It's that's yeah. not that's not a controversial topic, but they're making it sound as if it is. And and, and it just seems like I mean, we can go on forever with this conversation. I, I wanted to bring it back into you uh, as a dad. What it 
What is the relationship now with your, do you have a relationship with your boys now? What is that like? And what was it, what was their response when you started going through this whole process? Um, I don't know because I don't really have a really good relationship with them. I don't like, I'm not allowed to have their phone numbers. I'm not allowed to have their email addresses. I'm not allowed to even know what they're on social media. And I haven't really, I mean, I could find out all this stuff, but out of respect for their mother and them, it's like, I mean, if that's what you want to do, my whole life, I've been cut off from them, you know, on purpose. Cause they think I'm going to do something. It's like, so it's, it's been really tough, you know, but they always say it had nothing to do with this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. And can I talk to one of my boys, but I have to call the home phone number and leave messages and try to get them. And then I'll get called back. And it's like, it's just, it's been a nightmare, you know, and it, and it takes two to tango, you know? So I've, I've tried and I don't really get a lot from the other side and either, even from them, you know, I have one son that talks to me, but uh, it's just over the phone for the last, you know, years and years and years, just like these really short conversations. How do you talk to your kid about more than just like small talk about the weather or something? You know, how are you doing in school? How's that going? What are you doing? What are you doing at work? It's like over a phone hurt, you know, my ex-wife's phone, you know, I never have real conversations. So they really have no idea who I am, you know? So when they talk to me on the phone for the weather and how's work going and all that, we never talk about anything. And so they have no clue who I am, you know? If you had, if you had a message, knows, if you did have a message for your two sons and you wanted them to know, what, what would it be? Well, I mean, I, I still love them. I've loved them the whole life, you know? And I've tried to do the best I could. And I know I really messed up. And I've been trying to make up for the mess up that I made with them for, you know, 10, 15, you know, many years. I've been trying to be there, but it's like, it's, it's just so many roadblocks and so, so much stuff against me, even speaking to them, that it just makes it difficult, you know, and that just, and it still sounds like a lot of excuses. I mean, I could sit there and just camp out, out in front of their house and wait for them to come out and talk to me. But again, you know, threats of hurting himself, you know, warned the kids. And I just, I don't, I just can't, I don't want it to be that if I do start pushing really hard and then he does hurt himself because that's been a threat like for years that, and I just, I don't, I couldn't have him hurt himself because I did push really hard. I just, and until they tell me anything different, I'm still going off of the old data I have that he's that fragile that if I even show up, he's going to hurt himself, that I have one conversation with him, he's going to hurt himself, you know, to, you know, to death. And I just like, I can't have that happen because then that would be like, I messed everything up and I wasn't that good a father and I did this and this. And now he takes his own life because I'd show up, you know? And I just, so I've complied with what they've said and, and I just, I've stayed away and I just, and I keep begging. I say, come here, visit. I'll pay everything. I'll pay your ticket. I'll have you, your mom can come. I'll fly all of you. Here's a hotel for your mom. And let's just, no, I can't do anything, you know? And so if the roadblock is put up by one parent, then there's not much the other one can do. And especially if you're getting those kind of threats, you know, I want them to know that I'm different. You know, I quit drinking like two years ago. And that was one of the big problems I had too was alcohol. You know, I've changed a lot, but you don't know because I can't talk to you. You know, just give me a chance. Can you have one conversation with me? You know, or if they ever listen to one podcast, if they listen to me speak on one of these for more than, I doubt they've even done that, you know? I don't think they're allowed. I think they're, they're prohibited from even 
I don't know. So being left in the dark like this has been really bad. Well, so th- I would th- say th- to them, I'm different. Come on. And they're in their 20s now. So what am I going to do now? You know, if you don't agree with something I'm saying, you can walk away. If you really don't agree with it, punch me in the face. Now you're in your 20s. You're adults now. You don't need to be hiding behind your mom's skirt anymore. And I feel like that's all they're doing is still hiding behind her mom. They have no clue who I am. And I wish they did because I'm a lot different than I was in the past. Well, I, I would say that I, I pray for healing for your family. I, I pray that, uh, you know, there will be a connection with you and your kids. I think it would be the best thing for them. I think it would be the best thing for you. Uh, and I think it's still very, very possible that that would happen. And pray that they listen to this episode as well, being that it is focused on fatherhood. Maybe it does give them an opportunity to listen to your side of what's going on. And this is a big epidemic in our country, Chris, right now is I talk about the fatherless crisis we have where so many kids don't have a father. One of those major contributing factors is the family court system, which just destroys men and gives them no opportunity even to have a chance to have any time with their kids. And then the other side has just buried their thoughts on what the father is all about. And it's one of the corrupt systems in our country that really needs revamping yeah. because we are destroying our family units in this country. And, and the family court system is one of the biggest, biggest issues with that. Well, the entire CPS uh, thing, and I've seen it personally, what they do, you know, it's criminal. I think the entire CPS child protective services needs to be totally dismantled. They're criminals, you know, and I could go into some of that, but They've, they've destroyed families for like nothing. I've seen families destroyed by them. You know, they think it's the same thing. They think they're doing the right thing, but they're actually destroying families and destroying these kids. You know, it's, it's the worst. And I personally have experience with that. And I've seen that. I'm just like I'm horrified by CPS. I would, I, if like, if there is any way to like, just keep them out of your house, never let them step foot in your house ever, you know, don't. They're not no not allowed. Get away from me. Stay away from my house. You're not authorized to even enter. Yeah, no, no, if no, they no. want to enter, you better bring, you know, an entire battalion of Marines. That wouldn't <laughs> be enough. I'm a Navy SEAL, so it wouldn't be enough. <laughs> i'll tell you what though it, it, it is and, it, and at least it's sharing your side of the story and stuff i think does help other dads out there that are in similar situations with uh, being uh you know disconnected from their kids uh gives them hope that there's other guys out there going through the same thing so i think it always does help to get these stories out there and i know you said you know you're swinging hammers over there you're doing you're, you're doing some stuff what, what do you got you got any projects in the work what's coming up next for you are you working on anything I mean, no, I mean, I'm just, I'm actually trying to get rid of my phone and get rid of all social media and get rid of all of it. And then, uh, and then soon enough, if I can do it, what I'm trying to do is some acreage and an off-grid house with nothing. I don't want any electronics. I don't want to ever be on this stuff. I don't want any of this, you know, and I keep finding that this screen right here, these little tiny fires in all of our hands, it's burning our souls out. In the past, we used to hang out at bonfires. We used to hang out at campfires. We had conversations with people face-to-face. You know, when was the last time you did that? You know, had an in-depth conversation with somebody just sitting across, you know, drinking a coffee or tea over a fire. You know, digital fires are destroying everything. Humanity is done unless we can get back to this, unless we can get back to us in person around a campfire with no electronics and just talk to each other. We've lost communication skills. We've lost society. All anybody has right now is this little tiny distraction to distract us constantly from life. Now, if you have this phone in your hand and that's all you have, it's handcuffed to you. 
and it's destroying you. These little tiny distractions, these phones, these cell phones and social media, we're done as society. We have nothing left until we can get rid of these things, until we can get these things under control. So that you're only on it for a half hour a day or it's a flip phone and all you do is talk to people. Hey, this is just me to communicate with my buddies. So as soon as possible, I got my flip phone in my hand and I got rid of all my social media and then I'll start being happy again. But wow. until yeah. we start doing that, the destruction of these things, the TikTok generation, that's going to be the generation where you see it really start failing because you don't have anybody doing HVAC anymore. You don't have anybody plumbing anymore. You don't have anybody doing any of the work anymore. And so I do all that stuff. And so I can charge almost whatever I want nowadays if I do that kind of work. And so this TikTok generation, they just want to be social media influencers. They don't want to do anything else. And so pretty soon you can start seeing society collapse. You're not going to have anybody fixing anything. We're not going to have any workers left. And it's going to collapse. It's done. So until you can get your kids off these phones and actually learn the skill, society and all of us are going to collapse. It's done. So it's terrible. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. It's a uh, one of the biggest issues for every parent right now is the phone. I'm going through it. We're all going through it. There's no doubt about that. Uh, listen, last I'm thing have I want my Bible. I have my holy Bible and my off grid house, and I don't need any other books. I don't need anything else. I don't want any electronics. All I want is my holy Bible. Well, listen, if we could get God back in our society and fathers back in the home, I think 90 percent of the problems we're having in our country would start to go away pretty quickly here. We got to get back to it. I think it's possible and I have the faith that we can do it. But last thing I want to hit you with here, Chris, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. What kind of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Okay, Sarge, down. The uh, advice, Sarge, it's okay, down. I was, hey. That's all right, I'll cut them out. Okay, good. Well, so to answer your question is what advice I would have for any new dads. I would say, just like I said earlier, you have 10 years to build a man or a woman, you know, your kids. It's, uh, take that 10 years seriously. It's a decade of your life. It goes by so fast. And the next thing you know, that kid's going to be 10 years old. So you got to really, really pay attention. You have to pay attention to every word you say, pay attention to all your actions. Because everything you do and everything you say is going to be in that 10 years. And that's going to be the adult that grows out of it. So do the best you can. You know, you're going to make mistakes, but fix those mistakes. You know, you're going to be okay. But you have to be there. If you're not there, then you're absent and then nothing happens. You know, without a father father figure for your daughter, it's going to be really bad for her. She's going to end up following all those traps and it's going to be really rough, you know. And hopefully she does okay, but I've, I haven't seen, you know, it's really rough. You know, it's hard. And same thing with your son. If he doesn't have a father figure, then, you know, I, I hope he doesn't get groomed, you know. Because right now, the grooming is just so far over the top, you know, for, for boys and girls, you know, they're trying to make all these little girls into boys, you know, Planned Parenthood right now is paying for double mastectomies. I didn't even know that. So they're all involved. It's almost like they're trying to take away the ability for women to have kids. They're taking away the ability for the father to be in, in the family, to be there to raise. So this destruction of the core family and family values, the nuclear family, whatever you want to call it, the family is being destroyed by everyone, by our government, 
by Planned Parenthood, by CPS, by everybody that gets billions of dollars of your tax money is going to Planned Parenthood to pay for double mastectomies. Do you think that's right? Your tax money is going into all of this. Everything they're doing right now to take away your children is being paid for by you. Everything they're doing for grooming is being paid for by you and your tax money. I mean, look at it. They just sent millions of dollars down to South America for drag shows. It's in the books. I can show you the tax money that's been done. You know, it's ridiculous. So you need to start voting for people within your local community to make the changes. You need to vote for people in your state that will make those changes. You need to vote for people who are going to use your tax money to build America rather than destroy it, to build these children and, and make the family strong rather than destroy it. It's your tax money. Come on. You're 98% of the people. You're only talking about 2%. So if you start standing up, it's going to stop. It's your tax money. It's you. It's your kids in the schools. If you don't send them to school and you homeschool them, we homeschool our kid right now. He's 13 years old. He's homeschooled. He will never step foot in a public school ever again until those public schools change. He won't step foot anywhere near a doctor if I can help it. I don't trust those doctors anymore. They've been lying about this stuff for the last two years. I don't trust them. You know, I trust God. I trust the Holy Bible. All the medicine you need is in the Bible. It's all there. God gave us everything we need. You know, I had this really bad phlegm and all the stuff in my lungs. I've been taking these mutant leaves in my tea. I was cured in two days. I have no phlegm when I wake up in the morning. <clears throat> all that coughing you do in the morning. In two days, I cured myself of all my early morning coughing. God's medicine is all around the earth. We don't need them. I don't need any Rockefeller medicine. All I need is God. And I'm happy with that. I'm healthier right now with zero pharmaceuticals than I've ever been in my entire life. Almost no aches and pains. I'm in the best health of my life. I'm 56 years old and healthier than I was when I was 30. Everything you need is in Bible. Everything you need is here on the planet that God gave you. If we start doing that, we start standing up against these crooks, or standing up against this evil agenda, we will save this country. We will save the world. Right, right on with that. I, I love the message. It's been an honor for me. Uh, Chris Beck, thank you for your service, and thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. <laughs> thank you for being a great father. I hope there's a lot more people out here copying you and your example. <laughs> thank you. you. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.